Oh, it's good to see you. And what you just watched, it's happening this summer at Central Christian. Because of your generosity, we're going to have an unlimited playground. Yeah, praise the Lord. Um, the, the, that one person who had committed a matching gift, they're already. And all the rest of us, we've come alongside to match that gift. We've received $150,000 now for that playground. In addition, um, we've received uh, $10,000 to help uh, the forgotten in Haiti, the elderly who have uh, no medical care, no social security, um, who were just left, left to eke out a living on their own. In fact, uh, 14 years ago, my Wilkie and my Debbie went down to Haiti with a group of people from our church, and they did kind of like a, a mass wedding of a number of couples who couldn't afford to get married. And you donated wedding dresses and uh, wedding shoes for the men and wedding suits and uh, wedding rings even. And they pulled off the weddings. It's just that recently one of the men passed away, leaving his widow uh, without an income, without help. She's now one of the n- newly uh, forgotten. And Wilkie says her hat looks like a strong wind would blow it over. We're going to take care of her and make provision for her shelter. And we're going to start feeding those elderly people, making sure they have everything they need because of your generosity. So if you've forgotten to make a love gift, you still can. And uh, it will go uh, toward helping those abject poor uh, people in Haiti. Now, I got to say, the next step for our playground, I'm going to be putting together a work crew who are willing to come and get hands-on experience putting that playground together. And I'll be really grateful uh, for your help because uh, I hammer like lightning. I never hit the same place twice. Uh, let, let's pray uh, about these two endeavors. Lord, um, we, we thank you and I am so humbled to serve this church, a people so generous with a heart so big for hurting children and hurting people. Let the kids feel the love of Christ through us, Lord. Just work everything together for the good in the construction of this playground and work everything together for the good, Lord, as we reach out to help orphans in our orphanage and the elderly in that village. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, you know what? There is no better way to kick off 2021 than to be in the Lord's house on the Lord's day with the Lord's people, and I'm glad I'm with you. Those those of you watching online, I thank God for you. I love you. I think you're awesome, and I'm glad that you're engaged with us because you're doing the right thing at the right time with the right people for God to speak life over you and his love into you. And I'm glad we're all together, kick off 2021, because I wanted to introduce you to a very special guest uh, this morning. This is action figure Jesus. Um, Yeah, anybody else get one of these for Christmas? Um, I didn't either, I got it on Amazon. Uh, But this uh, action figure Jesus is bendable and posable. Um, You can make him uh, put his hands together, make him pray for you, uh, put his hands up to make him bless you, uh, give you a high five, high five Jesus. And he's wearing a real styling, um, bright red robe. Uh, He's got this trendy uh, haircut. I think it's a mullet. Um, Business in the front, party in the back. Um, and a neatly trimmed beard. How many of you know that Jesus looked absolutely nothing like this, and this is nothing like the real thing? Um, 
But, but I want to show you action figure Jesus. Because if Jesus is our Lord, we're the ones who are supposed to be bendable. We bend to his will, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. We're, we're the ones who are supposed to be posable as he positions us and transforms us and shapes us into his best, best version of who we can be. But one of the struggles today in our world and even in our church is that people can have a miniaturized vision and version of Jesus. It's one of the reasons because folks have this inaccurate view of who Jesus really is. It's easy to walk away from a a fake facsimile. And maybe for you it was even hard uh, to surrender to Jesus as Lord because your mother-in-law had a very judgmental Jesus. Or maybe you've been offended by the, by the Jesus of the political right or the Jesus of the political left. Or maybe you never could get into a denominational Jesus. I mean, a rubberized Jesus, this is why folks have a hard time believing in a little bitty Jesus. Doesn't have the strength to stand up under the pressures of life. Uh, it's a cold Jesus, unable to offer forgiveness, unconditional acceptance, unable to instill real peace, real hope, real joy, real love. And so for the next seven weeks, we are going to delve deeply into the genuine Jesus, the Jesus of the Word of God. We're going to have him come alive for us in all his immensity in all his glory, in all his majesty. We want to get a fresh perspective on Jesus. We want to see Jesus as he truly is, who he is and what he does for us. And we're going to begin with what Jesus did the most, his favorite activity, what he gave himself to most passionately, what he did more. When he did it, he did it like no one had ever done it before. He did it with passion. He did it with energy. And when he did it, people were absolutely amazed. This was the most important thing in his life on earth, and it was his teaching. I don't know how you feel about that. But if you want to refresh yourself with the genuine Jesus, you begin with what he said because his teaching uh, was everything and really what transforms us. You know, the the new vaccine out for COVID is a two-shot vaccine. And this is what we need spiritually to get a fresh perspective on the genuine Jesus. In fact, the first shot is this. A huge amount of hearing equals a huge amount of faith. The Word of God says faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of Christ. So every day, I mean every day, we open up the Bible and learn the Word of Christ and love the Word of Christ and live the Word of Christ. We open up God's word. I mean, if you just want to stay stuck in your mediocrity, just make a New Year's resolution. You'll break it by February. But if you want a revolution going on in your heart, a total transformational change that'll take your life and your relationships to a whole new level, then learn the word of Christ, love the word of Christ, 
Live the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Now, why is the teaching of Jesus such a huge deal? Maybe you, like me, have known, uh, let's say, two people. They both claim to go to church. They both claim that they're a Christian. Uh, but one of them, when the pressures of life is on, um, they crumble under the pressure. They panic in the pressure. While the other person has a peace under the same pressure in the same struggle, they have a faith that gives them peace. One person gets stressed. One has a faith that keeps them blessed. One person feels helpless and discouraged and despairing. And the other has a faith that keeps their head up, that keeps their heart up, that keeps their hopes up. What's the difference? It's hearing and hearing and hearing the word of Christ. So at every opportunity, Take the word of Christ and ingest it into your heart. Every weekend, be here for our study on Jesus. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m., join Pastor Ray for second take. Hear the word of Christ and then every day open the word of God to hear the word of Christ, to learn the word of Christ, to love the word of Christ, and maybe most importantly, to live the word of Christ. That's the booster shot in this spiritual vaccine to transform our hearts. Check it out, booster shots. Jesus said, come to me, come to me, visit me in my word. Let's sit down and have a conversation. Let's get to know each other fully, love each other more dearly. Come to me and hear my words and put them into practice. You and I both have probably known people who do open the Bible, who do learn the Bible, who can recite the Bible, but they don't live the word of Christ. And that is very, very dangerous to our faith because there is no power in the word of Christ until we live the word of Christ. You see, we all know Jesus was famous for his power. He could heal the sick change water into wine, give sight to the blind, make the lame walk, calm a storm with a mere wink of his eye and a word of his voice. He walked on water. He raised the dead. And you release the supernatural power of God in your life as you practice the word of Christ. Let me show you. Practicing the word of Christ releases the power of Christ. I mean, where could you use most urgently the supernatural power of Christ at work in your life. If it's in your finances, then practice the word of Christ for your finances. If it's in your relationships where you need the power of Christ at work for your marriage or in your parenting, then practice the word of Christ for your marriage and your parent. If it's in your emotions, if it's in your thoughts, if it feels like it would take a miracle to get you undepressed, to make the anxiety go away, practice the word of Christ for your thoughts and emotions. This is probably the most crucial aspect of your relationship with Jesus and having more than a rubberized replica for your Lord and Savior. In fact, the teaching ministry of Jesus was the most crucial aspect of his work. And let me show you how he did it. Jesus' teaching ministry was the most crucial, most important aspect of his work. Here's how he did it. Jesus went through all, all the towns and all the villages teaching in their places of worship, their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news. Now, let me show you some of the places where Jesus literally stood and taught people. First, this is a picture of 
of a synagogue from the time of Jesus in the community of Magdala. Remember the lady Mary Magdalene? Magdala is where she lived. She was from Magdala. And this is a recently uncovered archaeological find just about four miles from Tiberias in Israel in the Sea of Galilee. And they uncovered the synagogue from the day of Jesus. So Jesus literally would have stood in this space and taught in this space the word of Christ to be heard. Hearing builds faith. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Um, now these synagogues were all over the place. Jesus went to all the towns, all the villages, and proclaimed the good news. His words were spoken forth um, in Nazareth and Cana and Chorazin. Here's a picture of the synagogue in Chorazin. And this is Jesus. No, that's Eric Henry, our executive pastor. But he is, you, you can tell, um, he is struck by standing in the place where Jesus actually stood and his word went forth to transform lives. And so the people that sh showed up and heard, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And so every town, Every village. Jesus went. Now, Jesus taught uh, at times from a hillside, once from a boat, sometimes in a house, uh, while he walked on the road. But every weekend without fail, Jesus was in God's house with God's people on God's day to speak God's word. And so I want to challenge you every weekend be in worship, either online or in this room. Join Ray every Wednesday and every day for yourself. Open the word of Christ to listen to him, to learn from him, to love him, and to live, to practice his word. And I'm kind of anxious to see the work of Christ, the supernatural work of Christ in the lives of four women in our church who practiced the word of Christ this past week. On uh, New Year's Eve, uh, I got a phone call about 5.30 in the afternoon from uh, the Beloit City uh, Police Department. And some of you are thinking, it's about time. Um, but they were in a quandary. I'm not going to give you all the heartbreaking details of the story and what occurred. But let me just say that there were five children from ages five months through seven years. And... Um, they were at the police station because they had been totally neglected. Um, and so the police officer, a sergeant, he says, um, David, I, I need help. All the other police officers are on patrol because it's New Year's Eve. And I, we need somebody to watch these children, to care for these children. To I, My mind was blank. So I said, I'll, I'll call you back, sergeant. I mentioned to my wife, she says, I'll go right now. She calls up my daughter-in-law, Melody, Joshua's wife. They lead worship at our McChesney Park campus. M Melody says, I'll get in the car. I'll come get you. You and I will go together, Deb. Then a teacher at our preschool, Beth, her teenage daughter, the, those four ladies gave up their New Year's Eve evening and spent hours at the Beloit police station with these kids. When they got there, I don't know how many of these kids uh, wore diapers from five months to seven years, but a number of them had poopy diapers. I don't know how long their diapers had been dirty, 
But one of the girls said, I'm, I'm going to go to the store right now. Go to Walgreens. It's close by, and I'm going to buy diapers for these children. The children, when the girls came in, were uh, initially suspicious of them. But as soon as these women changed those diapers and cleaned up these children, held them on their laps, held them in their arms. Oh my gosh, those, those kids could not get enough of these young women. Just wanted to, did you hear that, sweetheart? Young women. Could not get enough of these girls. Wanted to hold on to them. Hours later, one of the parents did come uh, to pick up the kids. But I'm looking for the supernatural power of Christ at work in the lives of these women because they practiced the word of Christ. When you gave a love offering toward Kids Unlimited Playground or helping the elderly in Haiti, you were practicing the word of Christ. You can you didn't do it for Jesus to do a miracle in your life, but you can anticipate the supernatural power of Christ at work in your life as you practice the word of Christ. Let me show you another synagogue. This is a picture of the synagogue in Capernaum where Jesus spoke his word. Let me tell you how it happened. As was his habit, the Bible says, on the weekend he was in worship teaching the word of Christ. When he was done and there were three stars in the sky, worship service over. But the streets were crowded with people. You can see the streets in Capernaum. You can see the streets that Jesus walked on. There's a home there that is designated as the home of Peter. That's where Jesus went. And the people just, and the people were crammed in the streets, waiting in, in line so they could get up to Jesus to be healed. And he healed them all through the evening till way past dark, till late into the night, till he was just absolutely exhausted because Jesus didn't just do drive-by healings, like behind-the-back healings or between-the-leg healings. Jesus ministered to the people. He spoke into their lives. He prayed over them. And he just emptied himself in healing these people till they're absolutely exhausted. And then he just collapses and goes to sleep in Peter's house. And all the disciples, uh, they, they go to sleep. But before dawn of the next morning, Jesus gets up and quietly creeps out of the house so he doesn't wake up anybody. He, he walks out into the country to a very lonely and remote place where he can be alone with God and, and pray to God and have his soul restored and have his inner resources restored and have his joy replenished and his peace replenished so that he can go out, so that he can go out and... Well, the, the disciples find him. They finally track him down. They're like, Jesus, what are you doing way out here in the middle of nowhere? There's people standing in line back in town waiting for you to come heal them. Come on, Jesus, let's go. Here's what Jesus says. Well, let's go somewhere else to nearby villages so I can preach there also for that is my mission. The mission is crucial, so the word of Christ is crucial. The mission is to proclaim the word of Christ. This is, this is evidence of how crucial that the teaching of Jesus was so crucial. And when you hear me say that, you want to say, how crucial was it? Let's try that. The, the, the teaching of Jesus was so crucial it was so crucial that sometimes Jesus put healing on hold and did more teaching. That's what happens here. 
And maybe you get offended by that. Maybe you're shocked by that. Maybe you want to argue with Jesus about that. Pull him aside and say, Jesus, time out. Hey, you're a great teacher, Lord, but teaching is just talk. Those people are hurting. They need your compassion, Jesus. Healing is compassion. But Jesus put healing on the back burner, teaching on the front burner. Teaching was the priority. Teaching was the, was the mission. Healing was the side benefit. Someone healed is going to get sick again, but teaching would change a life forever and ever, grant superabundant life and eternal life forever. So Jesus would teach, put healing on the back burner and teach many things. What if the teaching ministry of Jesus is the most compassionate aspect of his work in your life? Wherever you're hurting, wherever you're in need, wherever there's struggle in your life, what if the most compassionate thing Jesus does is to speak to you through his word? And what if the most compassionate thing you can do, or excuse me, what if, the, what if the most appropriate response to his compassion is for you to open his word, learn his word, listen to his word, love his word, and live his word? Well, there, there was another day when people in Capernaum, it's close to Capernaum, Jesus is in a boat with his disciples. And boats back then were not speedboats. They were drifting toward shore, and people on shore identify, hey, that's the boat that Jesus uses. And when people heard word on the street, Jesus is coming ashore, well, people streamed out of their homes, walked away from their businesses, and literally ran on the beach to get to Jesus. I mean, can you see it? There's little children running, and there's husband and wives holding hands and running to get to Jesus. Uh, young people are running. Old people are running in their walkers uh, to get to Jesus. And here's what happens. People from many towns ran along the shore, and Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. Because you see, Jesus, when he sees the crowd, he sees the marriages that are in trouble. He, 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 he sees the, the people that are having financial struggles. He sees the people that are, that are at, uh, crosswise with their children. He, he sees the pain in the people, and he has compassion on them. He sees all the pain. So what does his compassion do? He see, they were like sheep without a shepherd. So out of his compassion, he began to teach them many things. The most compassionate thing Jesus can do for you in your struggle is to speak the word of Christ into your struggle. And the most appropriate response you can give to the compassion of Jesus is to listen to his word and to learn his word and to love his word and to live his word. And so let me just show you how to do this. It, maybe it sounds a bit overwhelming, but all you got to do every day, open the word of Christ with a piece of paper, and the piece of paper, write down four questions on the piece of paper. Question number one, from the word of Christ, you want to figure out, hey, who is God? I want to find out who God is by hearing, listening, and learning the word of Jesus. And I want to know what God is doing. And I'm going to figure it out by learning the word of Jesus. Number three, who am I? 
I want to get my identity from the word of Christ. And, and, and what of his word should I be uh, practicing? Well, let's process, work this process of these four questions with maybe the, the most famous teaching Jesus ever taught, John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Well, we read that in question number one, who is God? How do we learn who God is from the teaching of Jesus? We learn it, first four words tell us everything, for God so loved. We can easily translate that, who is God? God is love. In fact, the best friend of Jesus, John, he wrote it this way. He wrote, God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. That's who God is. God is love. So looking at the text, John 3, 16, if God is love, what is God doing? For God so loved the world and everyone in it, he gave. He gave what was most precious, what was most dear. It was a costly gift. It was a sacrificial gift. Love always gives in sacrifice. He gave his one and only son, Jesus, for us. In fact, um, the apostle Paul writes this way. God showed his great love for us, for us. His great love for us by sending Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. This indicates that God sent Jesus to take our place, to be our substitute. When Jesus went to the cross, he was going to suffer and did suffer all the punishment due us for our sin. On the cross, Jesus took upon himself all the consequences of our sin, all the anger of God, all the judgment of God, all the condemnation of God due us for sin. Our sin all fell on Jesus. Isaiah 54 says, for a brief moment, I hid my face from you. That's what happened to Jesus, so that we could always live with the face of God shining on our lives. It goes on to say in verse 8, for a moment, in a surge of anger, I abandoned you. Talking about Jesus, he was abandoned so that we would be accepted, so that God would never leave us nor forsake us. On the cross for us, Jesus took it all that we might receive everything from God. So, so who is God? God is love. What is God doing? God is doing what he always does. He offers his son for us that we might live with him forever. And so who who am I from the words of Christ? Who am I? Let's look at our text again. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever, that's me, I'm whoever, that's you. You're whoever, whoever. It means that I don't have to be so good because I'm already so loved. It means that you don't have to be so holy because you're already so loved. It means that we don't have to be so smart or so rich because we're already so loved. I am so good looking but I don't have to be because I'm already so loved by God. Who am I? I am whoever. And as a result, I am the one who will not perish. As a result, you are whoever. And as a result, you are the one who will be given eternal life. So what do we do? 
We are whoever, so what do we do? Well, the text says that we believe. Whoever believes. Now, the Greek word there, pisteuo, best English word I, I think for it is surrender. Whoever surrenders to Jesus as Lord. That's the person who will not perish but have everlasting life. So what am I doing? I'm surrendering. I, I, I read the word of Christ regarding my finances and I surrender my, doing my finances as dictated by the word of Christ. I, I'm surrendering in my marriage. I'm surrendering in my parenting. I, I'm surrendering my, my anxiety. I'm surrendering my depression. And I'm embracing the hope and the peace and the love that I receive through learning the word and loving the word and listening to the word and, and living the word of Christ. I, I, I think this surrendering that we do, just it, it's our lifestyle forever. It just goes on and on and on and on. And I want to tell you something. The great benefit of surrendering is that it means that you have no past. Because when you surrender, God forgives and forgets all your sin. You have no past because Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin. Now you are not treated as your sins deserve. You are not uh, repaid according to your iniquity. Uh, but as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love for those who surrender to him. As far as east is from west, so far has God removed his transgressions from you. You don't have a past. God has given you a future in Christ Jesus. Not only that, when God, when God raised Jesus from the dead, you were given more than a faraway future. You were given a powerful, profound, right now present of superabundant living. You get to live and love and serve and work and learn and live in the incomparably great power by which God raised Jesus from the dead. You don't have a past and you have more than a future. You got a right now with the superabundant life of Jesus. Praise the Lord. I would like to pray with you through this process right now. Um, online, if you will bow your heads and close your eyes, and if you guys with me would bow your heads and close your eyes, I want you to, as I pray aloud, would you pray after me in your hearts? Here we go together. Our Father, we bow our heads to humble ourselves before you and cry out, O oh God, have mercy on us as sinners. We close our eyes to look into our own hearts and see our desperate need for you, see our desperate need for the word of Christ, to listen to the word, to learn the word, to love the word, to live the word. Lord, together in agreement, we say this. We believe that Jesus is God who came to be one of us, who came to be with us, who came to be for us as an expression of your unfailing, enduring love. We believe Jesus is God who lived a perfect, sinless life and willingly died a sacrificial death for our sin in our place as our substitute. We believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And God, we believe you raised Jesus from the dead and exalted him to your own right hand, name above all name, place above all places, Lord. And on the basis of that, 
Everyone who has prayed this prayer and believed that Jesus died for their sins and rose from the dead, that person is saved. And we praise you when we thank you for your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. And may the word of Christ dwell richly within you. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.